Hello, everybody. This is your host, Sophia Nelson, and welcome to Eploribus One Podcast, your source for all things America and Americana. Today, I am here with a special guest. I know that this is a nationally focused and internationally focused podcast about politics, but I am spotlighting this month in February, African-American leaders, men and women, sheroes and heroes who help to truly make America great and to keep us unified and to keep us remembering that we all built this country together and that we will all forge a greater country together. I'm here today with my friend, with our newly reelected chair at large in the Loudoun County Board of Supervisors here in Virginia, where I live in Virginia's 10th district, if you want to put it into a national context, a little bit probably overlap some districts, but I'll let Phyllis talk about that in a moment. But let me tell you why Phyllis is our guest today. Not only is she dynamic and just a really good person, she is a leader here in Virginia. She is the first African-American elected to a County Board of Supervisors chair. And at the moment, she remains the only one elected, which is something we're going to talk about. You know, Virginia has morphed into a different state. When I was in law school here in the early 90s, in 1991, I'll never forget my first semester at law school at Washington and Lee University in Lexington was the time Clarence Thomas was being uh, uh, with the Supreme Court hearings with the whole Anita Hill. That was my baptism by fire. I'm never going to forget that as long as I live. And Virginia was a very conservative state then. George Allen was... Uh, running at the time, getting ready to run for governor, and it became a very red state. Now, fast forward to 2020, and Virginia is a blue state, and Phyllis is one of the people that helped to bring about that change, and uh, I'm I'm delighted to talk to her today. Um, She is certainly somebody who uh, history is going to remember well, she she's a trailblazer. She knows how to bring people together. I watched in her last election here. Uh, she had a tough re-election, I would say, but she won resoundingly because she brought together coalitions of people, and that's why I wanted to spotlight her today. So, Phyllis, thank you for joining the Pluribus Cast. Oh, well, Sophia, that was a wonderful, um, very generous introductions. Thank you so much for having me here today, and I'm I'm thrilled to be talking to your audience. I've I watch you on television and I listen to your podcast. I'm so proud of you and all that you've done. Um, I, I probably, you know, you, if people know this already, but you're an author, you're an attorney, um, you're a national speaker, you're an international speaker. So for you to choose me for this podcast is fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, I think we both, you're a Delta Sigma Theta. I'm an Alpha Kappa Alpha <laughs> woman. And so uh, we sisterly love is what it's all about Absolutely. always, even uh, with the different colors that we wear. And I think it's really important because I think sometimes, Phyllis, we all get focused on what's going on with the president, what's going on sure. with the Supreme Court, what's going yeah. on with Congress. And we forget about local government. Absolutely. And I want you to talk a little bit about why it's so important for people to know. First, introduce everybody to our wonderful Loudoun County. Tell sure. them a little bit about sure. us. And then talk about why you ran for local office sure. here and why people need to really be engaged in what's going absolutely, on in local Absolutely, absolutely. Well, first, uh, a little bit about Loudoun County. I say, and, and I mean it when I say that I think Loudoun County is just the best county in the country. We sit outside of D.C. We're about, I literally am about 40 minutes from the White House, so we're in Northern Virginia. Uh, Loudoun County is the country with the highest, highest median income 
our median income is about $138,000. That doesn't mean we don't have people who have need because we certainly do. And it's so important that we remember that, that um, a median income doesn't mean everyone's making that amount. We also have more data centers than anyone in the world. And so uh, we know that the vast majority, in fact, almost 70% of the world's internet traffic travels through Loudoun County. We have four distinct policy areas in Loudoun County. We, we will be having an urban policy area, suburban, transitional, and a rural policy area. So any type of living environment you'd like to have, you can have it um, when you if you come out to Loudoun County. Um, it is a very interesting county. It's a very diverse county. Um, and I am I am so pleased and proud to be the chairperson of this county. You know, I would, you are correct. There is so much focus on local government. What we, what you normally see in an election is you'll see a national election presidential year. You'll see 75, 80% turnout. Gubernatorial elections, you'll see, you know, easily 60% turnout. And then you get to a local election and the election turnout is, 35% if it's a good election. Mm -hmm. And that's really unfortunate because if you think about it, local uh, elected officials really the ones that impact your day-to-day lives every day. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have a street light out, you don't call your senator and you don't definitely don't call the president. You call your local elected official. Um, we are the ones that fund your schools. We are the ones that that uh, build your roads and design your living spaces. Uh, we are the ones that set your local tax uh, rates. And so um, local elected officials are, in my opinion, just the ones that are blessed to have and lucky to have the most contact with the people. We really are closest to the people. So when people have asked me, you know, why have you gone and ran for something else or done something else? And I say, you know, I know that the term is why haven't you ran for higher office, but I'm not so sure that the office closest to the people is not the highest office. And it's That's certainly good. the office that I that I enjoy the most. I love being chair of this county and I love having interaction with um with counties, other counties. I've been really involved in two organizations, one called VACO, one called NACO, the Virginia Association of Counties and the National Association of Counties. And then at, at the NACO level, the the brand is Counties Matter. And I think that's the perfect, perfect tagline because I really do think local government, local election, counties, cities, towns, hamlets, villages, all over this country matter so much. And so I'm exactly where I feel led to be and where I want to be at this time. I think that's a great answer. And again, during this last campaign, just watching you and Roger and some of the other people that I know that the treasurer, and I got to learn a lot about what you do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, when we had that debate with the NAACP, which was absolutely fun and engaging and interesting, <laughs> we, interesting. Had, it was we had interesting. a very interesting <laughs> night that night. Um, but it was good because we had a diverse room of people we do. And, and, we did. and we didn't all agree on things, but it was civil. It was great. It was a good dialogue. But uh, you said a couple of things that I want to touch on. Um, First and foremost, um, what led you to want to run for office here in a state that had not elected any African-American to office uh, at the countywide level? Well, so by profession, I'm a mental health therapist and I worked in the prison system for years. I'm actually the uh, a past chair of Virginia State uh, Fair Housing Board. I was appointed by Senator Tim Kaine and then reappointed by Governor Bob McDonald. I'm sorry, Go- Governor uh, Bob McDonald. And then when he left office, uh, Governor Terry McCulloch appointed me to be on the State Board of Corrections, where I eventually became chair of Virginia State Board of Corrections. So I've been chair of two state-level boards, and, and it was such a rewarding experience. And so 
all that I had done led me to believe that what I learned um, working with um, the offender population, what I learned as a therapist, what I learned um, working in the housing uh, uh, area, led me to believe that I, I wanted to do something different. And so, you know, I'm a Christian, so I always pray about things. So I thought about it and I prayed about it, talked with my family about it and decided that I wanted to run for office. And in 2007, when I ran the first time, I was the first person of color to ever run for the office. And I didn't win and I, and I didn't really believe I was going to run again. But in 2015, the opportunity came up and I had a lot of people um, saying for me to consider it, including uh, Tim Kaine, Governor McAuliffe and others. And I thought, you know, whether I win or not, there's some things that we don't talk about. We don't talk about um, mental health and the stigma on mental health. We don't talk about why it's important to adequately fund our school system and who gets hurt the most when we don't fund our school system. We don't talk about so many things at the local level. So I thought, even if I don't win, we can have this community conversation. And I was running against, at that time, a person who had been in office for 20 years, had been chair for 16. And so on the night that I won, there's probably no one more surprised that I won than me. <laughs> but it was it was um, it was a it was quite the thing to be able to go one day you're a therapist in a local jail, and the next day you're chair of one of the most powerful counties in the country. And it's quite the quite the moment. Since then, I realized that there's so much you can do from the ga- the, the the dais and with the gavel. We have instituted the drug court program in in, in Loudoun County. That's um, been so important to me and a mental health docket. We've gave it, uh, uh, finally really start paying our employees what they are worth in the county. We've we've added um, mental health therapists and physicians um, for people who have PTSD and other issues with our first responders. There's just so much that you don't even think about when you're talking about national or state politics that impact people's daily lives on the local level. And so uh, this year, um, or last year, when people said to me, are you gonna go run for a state office? Are you gonna go run for lieutenant governor? I thought, you know what, you know, I, I, I am right where I feel led to be and I'm happy and I'm doing good work. And, and I believe through Baco and NACO, I can do good work. And so, um, you know, I, I would have told you that I would have never thought that I'd be a person in elected office, but sometimes you, you know, you know, I've heard somebody say men make plans and God laughs. You just kind of go where God wants you to be and where you feel led to do the best work. Um, and it landed me here and I could not enjoy it more. You know, Phyllis, it's Black History Month. Of course, February is the month that we set aside in our nation and in our states, et cetera, to, uh, to talk about Black history. Virginia just did something very interesting, as you know. We finally did away with the Lee Jackson yeah. uh, holiday. <laughs> and, uh, you know, look, let's be honest. You and I could walk out your office here in Loudoun County, go to the courthouse, sure. and there's a Confederate statue Our right courthouse there. courthouse public grounds. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's been a big issue here in the Commonwealth. It's also, of course, we are the home to Charlottesville. To Charlottesville and what Charlottesville, happened sure. in 2017, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of... Uh, wrestling and wrestling lately over the gun issue. Sure. You know, Virginia is where it happens. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about diversity and about where you think we are as a as a county and as a mm-hmm. commonwealth, because I feel like um, the fact that you are elected here in a county that is, is it only 10% people of color? Is that about right? No, no, there's, it's hard that 7.5% African-Americans, but, uh, but persons of color, because we have a very high South Asian population in Loudoun okay. County. So persons of color in Loudoun County, it's more now about 
between 30 and 35 percent so we've wow. grown quite okay. a bit in that area you know it's interesting Does that, that changed a lot in the last decade it's changed a lot think? in the last de decade and most of that has been the south asian population who was a, you know just wonderful rich fantastic interesting population from um india that, are, that have come to the county mainly because we're such a tech high county mm -hmm. but have added so much to our county and so we really appreciate that population being here it's interesting that you you mentioned the confederate statue i remember I guess it had to be literally 2006, 2007, when um, when I started writing and talking about the Confederate statue in Loudoun County because it sits on public um, taxpayer property, and I thought, okay, if you if you need to have a Confederate statue, shouldn't it be in um, on private property in a museum? Shouldn't it be not on public property in front of a courthouse? And I would, went to the county building to talk about this because the Daughters of the American, uh, the, of the Confederacy, um, had asked for the county to pay to refurbish the statue. And I thought, no, 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 that's just not okay to have county money spent on that. So I came to then this the for the first time working to the board supervisor's room that I now sit um, sit in that center seat in that room, and the daughters of the Confederate soldiers had come in in their full antebellum garb, wow. and it was about six or seven of them, and they were talking about the importance of the Confederacy and the Confederate statue, and I was sitting there and it was just me, it was just me to talk against it. There was nobody but me in that room. And so I got up and I said, what would it be like if I walked into the into this room in, in the clothing that my ancestors wore or the chains that my ancestors wore at that time? And the room just went silent. Um, so I've been nothing talking like a visual to make you nothing stop like tracks. nothing like that. So I've been talking about um, these Confederate statues for for years and how they they were mostly erected in, in the early 1900s. Um, the one on the courthouse is interesting and loud, and because just a few years earlier, two years earlier, a young man named Orrin Anderson, a 16-year-old, was dragged from that very courthouse and hung. And then two years later, that statue went up. And so that statue was very much about who is who is in charge who isn't in charge and it's very much a message. And so as Loudoun and Virginia starts to have these discussions, I think that um, it's really time for us to have what I call courageous conversations. And That's one of the codes in the woman code. Really? I like it. Yeah. It is. That's code courageous conversations. So to and so to talk about these issues and to talk about the changes that are happening, to, to talk about race in a non-accusatory way where yeah. neither no one is being accused and no one is being defensive. It's so important to do. I know I say all the time, you can disagree and not be disparaging. Absolutely. You can disagree and not be disrespectful. You can disagree and not be disagreeable. Mm -hmm. And it's important for thought leaders who care about this country so deeply to start to have those conversations in every city, town, county, hamlet, village, state, locally, at every school, just everywhere to have these conversations. Because until we sit down and, and talk to one another and try to understand where we're coming from, we are just going to become further further divided. And that is something that just will not help any of us and certainly will not help our children or our children's children. And so all these issues, the gun issue, the, the, the Confederate statue issue, when I first got to Virginia, it was actually Lee Jackson King Day. And yeah. I thought, yeah. I what thought, a mess. what am I, yeah, what's that mess. about? How do you put, <laughs> put those things together? So now it's Lee Jackson Day, and now that's going to be um, faded away. And it, it would just, they're changing the holiday of Lee Jackson King Day to make that um, election day, election day yeah. be, to be a, a state holiday. Exactly. 
But these um, we these have conversations. Dr. King's holiday here in Virginia, right? We do. I know it took no, a lot we do. of states' time to adopt it. We do. It no, we do. Have, we have that. No, we right. have that. But these conversations and to be able to lead those conversations at local and regional and county level for me um, is is so gratifying and and so important. And you know, I I say all the time, I think that there are times that that a state house or Congress can look to county governments and watch the relationships because we have no choice. We're, we sit with one another at the very least three times a week mm-hmm. to work out very important issues for our constituents. And so we have to be able to work it out and figure it out. And, and I think, at least in my county, we do that very well. Let me ask you, you made a good segue. Look, uh, you'd have to be uh, hiding under a rock right now not to realize that America is deeply divided as we are in this 2020 election cycle. We will elect a new president Mm -hmm. in November or we will re-elect a president. Mm -hmm. Uh, Politics aside, what do you think is the solution? I'm going to ask you a big question, of course, but what is the solution to why we're so divided? You know, our founding motto, Phyllis, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. What happened? Because if you go on social media right now, if you look at how this impeachment trial that just passed, look at the way the Democrats and Republicans talk to each other or don't talk to each other. There is visceral dislike. What's going on and, and how do we fix it? Well, so, you know, I, I hear people talk about this all the time and I, it may just because I am, I am an eternal and permanent optimist. And what I say is there is a lot of division. However, out of that, out of the struggle and out of the concerns and out of the division came something else. And what came out of that is a lot of activity. You know, uh, Virginia's past election, this one we just had in in, uh, November in 19, we had the largest local election turnout maybe ever at 41% in in my county. We had the largest um, turnout of young people, uh, 18 to 30 years old turnout. We I I talk to women every day who say I was never involved before and now I am. So sometimes, you know, the, the, the turmoil and the upheaval wakes people up and and what they realize is this country is worth fighting for and this country is worth um, getting out in the streets and talking and marching and holding up signs and doing all that. And so there is a lot of uh, turmoil right now, but there's also a lot of hope because if there were no hope, you wouldn't see the marches. The marches themselves and all the extra activity speaks to the fact that people believe and hope it can be better. And what is what is better than hope? And so while there is a lot of lot of division, out of that has has grown this just grassroots effort of people believing that their voices individually can make a difference. And so I'm kind of buoyed up by that and 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 um, believe that that will that will carry the day, you know. And also, we, you know, when you look at the division, it's it is there, and it's really there, especially in Washington. But again, I chair a county board, and so when you go into county board rooms and town board rooms and school boards, you don't see that division. And it it, it is it's very possible that the 535 people sitting in Washington D.C. are are actually not the 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 real test of what the electorate and elect and people who are elected looks like. I think the real test of that is, you know, what is who was sitting on a county board with you or who was sitting on a on a town council with you. So so yes, there's a people, but you know what? We're America. 
We've been through worse. We'll go through worse again. We have gone through, in, uh, you know, years of, in, of enslavement. We have gone civil through war. civil war. Most we have gone through the right Great Depression. Yeah. We have gone through the Civil Rights Movement. We have gone through just the Great Recession. We have gone through so much that this this time is uncomfortable. But I believe um, that this country can rise above this. Um, and I believe in the hope that I see in the eyes of all those 18-year-olds who are registering to vote um, in massive numbers all the time. So I'm a little, little more hopeful than most. Well, I think you said a couple of things that are worth recapping. I like my audience to have takeaways. And uh, one, and I could not agree more, that what we see, and I, I get to travel all over this country and all over this world, but the country, when I get out to places like Missouri, or I go to New Mexico, or I go to Louisiana. I'll be with Louisiana's Governor uh, Edwards uh, this uh, next week. Democrat in a totally red state. Sure. Big sure. red state. Big Trump country. But he won resoundingly sure. his reelection. And when you get further out of Washington, what you're right. saying is true. Absolutely. The people are not divided. Sure, it's in pockets. Washington is divided. Washington is and I divided. think that is an important distinction for it us is. to make, mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen listening, because you know, like me, I'll have neighbors over my house with some wine tonight and they're going to look like a rainbow coalition yep. in there. And yep. we barbecue together. Our kids go to yeah. school together. Yeah. We do things we together. We traffic together. We take care of each other. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got a sick parent at home and my neighbors, uh, who none of them look like me, they're all Caucasian to my African-American and they will be checking in on mom sure. and making sure she gets what she needs. So I think you're exactly mm -hmm. right that sometimes we get caught up in what's going on on our televisions and on social right. media and we exactly. think that's really us and that's not it's not in our last 10 minutes i want to i want to talk a little bit about again you being an african-american woman and uh what that means in the context of representation mm -hmm. for young girls in grade school high school college sure, etc sure. young women seeing someone like you you know virginia last year celebrated commemorated i ought to say the 400th anniversary of the first slaves arriving mm -hmm. in Fort Comfort. Right. And I like to say to folks all the time when I go across this country, and I'll tease them when I'm in Louisiana next week, and I'll let them know that we're really the South here, and that we're <laughs> really the ones where this country started. It's true. Yeah. Um, but that's a that's a big piece of history. Yeah. That Virginia is where America began. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely and is. down in the Hampton Roads area, of course, Williamsburg, and Often, Phyllis, when you go to Williamsburg, et cetera, and you see the representation of slavery, et cetera, yeah. it's nice. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's, it's gentle. It, yes. It's gentle, yeah. And I want to talk a little yeah. bit about, again, um, why it matters to have voices like yours, uh, women of color, women in office, and um, what that representation means to the next generation. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking me that, because I know if I do nothing else, that's the most important thing. I say all the time. You know, as an elected official, I will build roads and I will build schools and I will do all these these things. But unless I have positively impacted the next generation, I have failed and I would have failed my entire uh, my entire uh, chairpersonship. You know, I I make a point. You know, my my EA is sitting here with me, and I I make a point whenever we get a request from a school or from a group of young people. I say she knows. We don't even talk about it anymore. She knows. Clear my schedule clear my schedule because if I do nothing else I will I will clear my schedule from talking to the Chamber of Commerce to go talk to the fourth grade class at, at whatever elementary school has has invited me um, I was talking to my husband just this morning and I, and I said to him you know growing up I remember watching a TV show called Julia 
and yes, then, uh, Diana, Diana Carroll. Yeah, and I, and love Eva, I said, you know, that was such an important thing to, because for me, that was the only woman of color on television who was in a professional role. She was a nurse. She had a little mm-hmm. son named Corey. Remember that? I love that show. And I thought later on, I loved it because I could look at somebody who looked like me mm-hmm. and it felt so good. So I, I, you know, as far as me being a person of color and, and governing, it doesn't mean much because, you know, you don't, you don't govern for, you know, people on traffic, people in traffic. We don't have hot lanes for, you know, African-Americans and other lanes for, you know, you, you, you just That's govern. That's so good. That's you just real govern, right there. You know, <laughs> As far not as a women's lane, not a guy's not, lane. You just govern. So as far as governing, it doesn't matter. But as far as realizing that I am only here because countless people, hundreds of thousands of people fought and and had dogs set up on them and marched and talked and, and picketed and just believed that they could give their children and their children's children and their children a better life. And all those many people put me in a position where I could even run for this office, let alone win the office two times. So I never believe that I am here um, on my own. I did not get here on my own and I know that. And because they did that for me, it is un- incumbent on me to do that for the next generation. So I always try to lift up young people, especially, I will say, especially girls and girls of color and, and make sure that they know how valuable they are, mm-hmm. how beautiful, how talented, how, how brilliant they are. Um, and, and I can, you know, I can, I'm not sure the parents want me to, but I can call names of the young ladies that I've had, you know, come to my office. Uh, I sit them on the dais and let them run their own mock meetings. Um, I, I present them in my state of the county address. I put them in our resolutions. I do everything I can to make sure that they know their worth and their value and that neither their gender nor their, their color should be a, a factor that holds them back. And if I... If they can look at me like I look at Shirley Chisholm, like I look at Barbara Jordan, like I look at my mother and grandmother, mm-hmm. if they can look at me and I've been that for them, then I have succeeded. Yeah. And I have succeeded in my position. You know, we just, uh, if I'm correct, I saw an email that we named a school after an African-American woman, right? Af- after our, Elaine um, Thompson. Yes. After Elaine Thompson. She Tell was, me a little she, bit about her. So Elaine had, so I, I knew her well because... When, you know, every since the since an African American resolution has been written in Loudoun County, I have I I I've been the one that asked for that in 2007, and I wrote it every year. And I used to go to Miss Thompson because she was um, a uh, uh, his uh, our, our history person in Loudoun for African American. Um, um, community so much so that when the Smithsonian put up the Black History Museum, um, they actually reached out to Miss Thompson and asked her about this area, and she wow. uh, gave them um, some some artifacts to put in that museum. And so um, wow. she was uh, the person that I went to all the time, and so she was my friend, she was my mentor, she was the mentor of myself and Donna Bohannon and so many of us who have been on um, Loudon's Black History Committee and just been involved. So. So she passed away a couple of years ago and, and um, there was a school named after her. And um, I am I, I have a couple of books over there, in fact, that Miss Thompson wrote, one called In the Watchtower. Uh, so she was just fantastic. But, you know, it's important to know that there are so many of Abby Lane Thompson's who are still with us. And it's important for all of us to go talk to our, our elders who are yes. still here, sit yes. down at their at, at their knee and, and ask them, you know, what was it like and what story do you want known and how do I carry your vision on? And, um, you know, 
while they are here to still do that. I was thinking like, you know, John, John Lewis has just announced he's not well. And I thought, my gosh, if I could do anything right now, I'd go sit down with John Lewis and have some time with him. Um, so while they are still here, let's do give them their flowers and let's Absolutely. talk to them about um, what, what they know, because once they're gone, that voice, that voice that really, really did suffer through all those horrors of the civil rights era and other times, they'll be gone and they won't get the, we won't get those voices back. So they're just so precious and important to me. As we wrap, I would like to give you uh, just a few moments to talk about what Black History Month means to you in the broader context. You know, the great thing about having a Phyllis Randall Loudon chair, a Barack Obama's president, Michelle Obama's first lady, Colin Powell's chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and on and on, is that this generation here will always take for granted sure. that always- my nieces, when they were little, when Obama became president, I remember writing them letters because they're both biracial, and I was covering the White House at the time once he got sworn in, he wrote, uh, signed a book for them, the children's book he wrote, so just they were blessed they got to go to the white house meet him meet the first lady etc but i remember thinking there at that time they were maybe four and seven or something like that mm-hmm. they're in college now it's yeah. horrible right <laughs> but the thing is is that it was no big deal like they were too yeah. little but yeah. now they look back it's they just assume a black person could be president sure they do when you sure. and i were coming up i yeah. don't know that we we're still not. hoping yeah. for a woman in our yeah. lifetime. But I bring that up to say that with all of that, what begins to happen, Phyllis, I've heard a lot of opponents of Dr. King holidays and things like that say, well, why do we need that mm-hmm. stuff? Mm-hmm. Why do we need black history? Mm-hmm. Why do we need Delta mm-hmm. Sigma Theta and Alpha Kappa sure. Alpha? Why are you yeah. having these black fraternities and sororities? Right. I'm going to just give you a couple moments to really talk about that. And, uh, Actually, let me see. We're really gonna wind down here, so you gotta wrap it pretty okay, quickly. Okay, so Black I, I will be quick. I'll be you? quick. You know, the fact is, um, I'll say one name: the name Benjamin Banneker. Everyone knows who Benjamin Franklin is. People don't know who Benjamin Banneker is. You know why? Because he's not taught in our elementary schools. Black History Month is important because we do not teach African-American history as part of American history. And the moment we do that in a real and inclusive way, we may actually not need it anymore, but we certainly need it now. Thank you, Phyllis. That was amazing. I'm going to have you back and let you talk about that more because we're (laughs) running low on time. But folks, this was a great podcast. You can check out Phyllis here on the county website, the Loudoun County Government website, which is oh Loudon dot dot or uh, www.loudon.gov. Folks, thank you for joining the Pluribus Cast.